1: Yo, what is up, y'all? Welcome to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbird. I'm your host, Sean Chris, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm not sure who did that song, like, but that's it's been floating around. That pure blooded, but that man, that one's awesome. I love that one. And I got a little like a little cut. I think that everybody has already heard at the end. I'm gonna play, but yeah, let's get into it. I kind of wanted to highlight um uh some of the stuff that I've been hearing, some of the clips I've got. And I'm going to start off with this one. It's uh about these windowless dorms that are being built. And there's like a lot of outrage going about it. And it kind of reminded me of the, you know, World Economic Forum's article, you know, 2020. What was it, 20? Let me see if I could pull up the article real quick. Yeah, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy in my life, has never been better. And even some of the things they highlight in the article it says, in our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using our free space whenever we don't need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I'm not there. Like, so I thought this was kind of like, it's not exactly the same thing as that. But um, it was pretty interesting how they're, oh, what's up, Flo? Um, how they're kind of the building the whole window list because that's like, you know, if you watch all dystopia movies or anything like uh, of that nature, it seems like where they're blocking off people and kind of building that metaverse type of thing where it's just nothing but walls, no windows, because your window will be, you know, the metaverse, the metaverse.
0: Time to check the polls when we begin with a room without a view. Actually, lots of rooms without a view.
2: Plans to build the world's largest college dorm are facing fierce criticism. The dorm is supposed to house nearly five thousand students at UC Santa Barbara, but most of the bedrooms will be in the interior of the massive building and therefore. They'll be
0: windowless. The 1.6 million square foot project has been dubbed dormzilla and a jail masquerading as a dorm. But supporters say it's designed to coax students out of
3: their rooms and into the community. I guess it would have been a real pain to install those windows.
1: Yeah. You know, that just like kind of reminds me of that, of kind of getting people locked into these, this new idea of having no windows in there. They were saying that would, you know, get people to want to go outside more, which I, I don't think so. I think that kind of makes you forget about outside. And, you know, when you have windows, you can see the sun or you can see the weather is good and it can give you a reason to go outside. So I think to me that dorms like that are things to kind of push for that whole, you know, great reset of, you know, us to me now, like the more that I give into it, the more I kind of see like that, you know, 20 years down the line, they're going to try to push that whole metaverse thing onto everybody where they're slowly pushing people in that direction already. So, you know, lots going on with the food supply and stuff. So I've been digging through different podcasts and things that I've seen. And uh, I got this guy, Ice H Farmer. I played him before on here. Um, I've listened to a couple of his stuff. I've heard him on No Agenda and heard him on um, some of his clips on. uh yeah, I think he also did one with, um, uh, what are they called? Propaganda Report uh, with Monica Perez and them. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty interesting how he kind of breaks down what's going on in the food chain. And more than like kind of proving and showing that it is manufactured and that people are getting pushed to the brink.
3: The Food Chain Reaction Game, which just as Event 201 or the Rockefeller's lockstep document foresaw and laid out a script that we then experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic. So, too, does the Food Chain Reaction Game, financed by George Soros, uh, including Cargill, one of the world's biggest food companies, and executed by John Podesta, standing on the stage there. Uh, it F- Food Chain Reaction Game foresaw a period in the future when, due to global warming and nationalists acting on behalf of their own country instead of sharing the food with other countries, there would be a period of drastically increasing food prices uh, and famine. And tremendous geopolitical instability resulting from that. We are now walking through that script. The food chain reaction game simulation, war game, tabletop exercise, whatever you want to call it, ended in the institution of a global carbon tax, which is exactly what they want. It's exactly what the folks over at COP26, the climate conference, are talking about right now. So what he's talking
1: about is a scenario that was played out in 2015 Similar to an Event 201 and uh, uh, what's that other one? The Dark Winter. I don't know if it was called Dark Winter, but similar war games that have been played. And But this time it's called the Food Chain Reaction Game. And this was back in 2015. I posted the full clip, like not the full clip of it. I think it's like eight minute clip, nine minute clip of what the food reaction chain was and the simulation, there's even more to it. I'm going to post uh, some more stuff about it too. Like, you know, they did the whole thing like event 201 where they kind of planned it out, where they had the news and the media, what they were going to, how they were going to react, how people were going to react, the excuses they were going to use, uh, the reason why this is happening. And they're using the climate change, which we already know that they were accelerating in. They're already pushing towards that. And it looks like this was created in 2015 and we're starting to see a scenario similar We're like a year off compared to like what they're talking about. So here's a little clip from the Food Chain Reaction Games uh, in 2015.
4: There are significant risks as we look at the problems we face with regard to food security, especially going forward. Some of the most complicated and some of the most extraordinary challenges that the world has faced in all of its history.
3: Food Chain Reaction
5: is an effort to put some of the major actors on this planet who have to deal with a global food crisis. Food Chain Reaction was really to create these scenarios based on scenarios that have happened in the past, but how do countries respond to them?
3: We had eight
6: teams. We had four rounds spanning from 2020 to 2030. Our real hope was that we would get really great participants in the room, which we did. Players from all around the world to elevate a more global conversation among all of those different worldwide experts.
2: The game itself created an opportunity to live into the future. It caused people to think through what the possibilities are. And in that process, I think they realize what they have to start to do today to prepare for that future.
7: We began the decade in 2020.
4: Food prices in 2020 and 2021 are climbing.
3: The world in 2020 is a world with increasing pressures from urbanization. It's a world where it's getting hotter and it's getting drier. We're also seeing increased
6: social unrest because of the volatility in the food system. All of those factors coming together, creating that perfect storm.
1: So that is like basically exactly what they did in Event 201. Like I said, if you want to see the full, um, the more detailed clip of it, it's on my page. Uh, just kill the mockingbirds right here on this one, and I think you should go check it out. I'm gonna also post this other one. They have like you know some of the news, um, the fake news, the literal fake news that they did the simulation with, and it's really telling because they were doing like November 2020. So I'm gonna I'm gonna post that probably later on. Here's a little bit more of the ice, uh, the Ice Age farmer. And he's talking about the the world's fertilizer uh, supplies, which is really what's affecting the chain a lot too, especially with the food chain. And you could see that people kind of like playing games.
3: Around the world, farmers are having trouble getting the supplies they need in order to produce food. Now, I've already shared in a previous report that tale from the German farmer who said, I can't find fertilizer. And if I don't have it, like, yes, I'll go out of business. But moreover, We won't have wheat next year. We won't be able to eat bread next year. But it's not just in Germany. Today, I want to take a look also at Brazil, where they're in a crisis mode because of the lack of fertilizers, to the United States, to Canada, to India, where the government has set up a war room to monitor the real-time availability, allocations, and distribution of fertilizers. Distributions, I should say, which are happening under the strict watch of police personnel, of armed guards to keep farmers from rioting and taking the fertilizer that they need for their crops. Because that's how advanced and severe this situation is, is that the government is literally on a day-to-day basis triaging which crops need the fertilizer more, which are more important. And that necessarily leaves some farmers out to dry. That's why they're rioting and trying to get their hand on fertilizer. It also means as countries are are seeing this happen, that many are taking steps to stop exporting their own food supplies from Ukraine to Russia, to Argentina, all have been instituting higher duties, making it more expensive to import from them, or just uh, setting limits, setting quotas on how much they will even be willing to export. So the the supplies are 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 diminishing and countries are starting to guard this precious supply of food. All of this, stepping back, was described by the food chain yeah, reaction. Yeah, like if you kinda of look
1: into it, and that's why I suggest you watch that food chain reaction game video. It gives you a lot more insight on this because they're they're just playing with the markets. That's what uh that's how they're getting the control out of it. They're pushing the demand for fertilizer, and they're only allowing so much of it to be made, and then it's being delegated as a a rare commodity that is being able to be pushed and bartered against people uh, to try to fight each other, because now you need it more than the next person, I I would suggest to really check that video out. And it looks like you could see a a lot of manufactured food crisis, like in China, it seems like they had some sort of a false flag of a food shortage they were kind of rallying everybody in china to go buy kind of like what they've been doing here I, I don't know if you've noticed but in all the commercials and everything that they say on the news they're like hey hey don't don't forget to go get shopping man hey if you want to get your christmas present this year and don't want it to be late get them now and they're telling you about the supply chain issues But I believe that's just to kind of get people to give that money back that they gave to us, right? Like, all that free money, that quote-unquote free money, the Biden bucks and the Trump dollars, like, all that stuff that we got from them, I, I believe what they're trying to do is they're trying to suck that money back. And the best way to do that is to make false claims of stuff with the supply chain and getting people to put money forth and trying to get stuff now. But this is what's going on in China.
8: Chinese people are panic buying. They're worried about a possible food shortage. A grocery store owner told the Epoch Times they sold 4,000 pounds of grain in less than an hour. Entities Don Ma has more.
9: After the Chinese Commerce Ministry issued a notice encouraging families to stock up on essential goods, panic buying ensued. U.S.-based newspaper the Epoch Times conducted an on-the-ground investigation of the situation in China's Changzhou city, Jiangsu province. Grocery shops in the city told the newspaper that they can't keep up demand because of the panic buying.
5: People are snapping up goods like crazy over here. This morning, 4,000 pounds of grain were transferred to the store and all of them were gone in less than an hour. I bought two tons of rice last month. It will probably be gone
9: tonight. An employee at another store in the city said the buying frenzy started on Tuesday night. An employee from another supermarket says people are mainly buying up food. The Chinese Commerce Ministry's notice stirred up a social media storm in China. The intense public response led state media outlets to release reports aiming to calm public panic. Authorities are also trying to contain the situation on Weibo. The hashtag The Ministry of Commerce encourages households to store necessary life essentials, which was viewed over 54 million times as of Tuesday, now appears to be removed from the platform.
1: Yeah, so it seems like they're just manufacturing that as well over in uh, the good old CCP, you know? They're always entangled in something, and that's what you're pushing your public to go buy up stuff and cause a panic, which causes a shortage, right? Like, if everybody goes to the store and buys everything right now, like, the similar, like... What happened last year when everybody panicked bought and bought toilet paper for some reason? <clears throat> there's no way the supply chain can even keep up with that buying. The mass hysteria of people just buying, 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 buying is gonna is gonna take off from the shelves, and that's what how you manufacture a supply chain issue. With, on top of what are really going on right now, like if anybody isn't shipping, like I am, we all know that 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 there's certain ports and certain places that like I. I've seen Ron DeSantis. He called over and uh, opened the Miami ports. It looks like they are offloading some stuff there. But a lot of it is just manpower and too much clogged up from all that. I think last year it was just sitting and so many people just ordering. And I think we've also, because UPS was already doing, I think, like a billion packages. But now it has to be way more because... Especially this time of the year, which is Christmas, is already their busy time of the year where they're getting people from retirement, uh, anybody off the street that just hop in a car. They have so much work, but combine that with all the people that are now working from home, the people that are too scared to go to the grocery store, or in certain areas where there are mandates, they may not even be allowed to go into the grocery store. That you're having, that's putting more stress. On the the delivery systems that we do have, so I do believe that's also causing a problem in it. And then, just the uh, stupidity, right? Like, and but to me, most of this is is manufactured. But we get away from the supply chain a little bit. This kind of goes in detail a little bit more. But they had the COP twenty six, the climate change um, summit. Here's a little bit of a clip with uh you know, it. It looks like the EU is going to be in bed with good old Billy Boy Gates and they're going to be developing new climate change technology.
9: I'm also very pleased to launch today, together with Bill Gates and the European Investment Bank, the EU Catalyst Program. It is worth 1 billion euros. It's a program that will finance industry's innovation, breakthrough innovation, to bring the newest climate technologies to the market in Europe. Immediately after this session, Bill and I will launch this new initiative.
1: Yeah, so this is like we've been saying that the whole climate push is going. Like we've heard it, you know, it's not like it's brand new, but I believe they come out with these things and people start pushing back and they kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit and put something else in front of people's face to try to switch it up for a little bit so people don't get burnt out on the same questions that they're going to keep asking. Cause look how COVID it's going into this cycle of where we're saying the same, it's the same arguments everybody's having. And I think after a while people just kind of get over that and they, they break through because once you keep hearing the same things, not every single person, but I think more and more people start to be like, well, man, we've been arguing the same exact way for a year. Now people are like, well, when, now they are starting to be more receptive to listening to things at times, not everybody. <clears throat> But more at the COP26, uh, I'm pretty sure this clip's been going around. I saw a lot of places. But it's Prince Charles, and, like, you know, right now the queen is pretty sick. Uh, who knows how long, it, or maybe she will recover, but it seems like Charles, Prince Charles is set to take over. And, like, if you listen to what uh, he says in this speech, he's really pushing to me what well, we've all been talking about, globalization and the elites, the elitist of the world trying to take over. And and to me, this is plain and simple.
6: So, ladies and gentlemen, my plea today is for countries to come together to create the environment that enables every sector of industry to take the action required. We know this will take trillions, not billions of dollars. We also know that countries, many of whom are burdened by growing levels of debt, simply cannot afford to go green. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. With trillions at its disposal, far beyond global GDP, and with the greatest respect beyond even the governments of the world's leaders, it offers the only real prospect of achieving fundamental economic transition.
1: And this guy's all in. You know, his dad, uh, what, what, uh, what's it? I forgot his name, but he was a huge, like, uh, into population control and saying that that was a real cause of what was going on wrong in the world. And you could tell, like, this guy is ready to take the reins, and he's trying to push for some kind of something bigger. It seems like empire-type uh, mindsets because he said he wants to have a military-type um style of trying to push this climate change to make like like he's saying it's so drastic that we're gonna have to have some kind of world climate um what's it called uh military and and government base and they really want to go to this uh carbon uh economy the carbon economy and base and everything on that and that will be more on a global scale and i mean we've been talking about globalization for a long time not just me but tons of people and to me, this is the most in your face of what he's saying that they got to have military tactics and build the military and build this whole economy to sustain the world because it won't maintain. And this looks like a huge power grab that he will be trying to get more into because uh, it looks like the queen, like some people say she's been gone, but regardless of the, the fact of seeing what people see, so... To everybody, she's still there. So, but I think now to everybody, she will be gone pretty soon. And I don't know. Let's see what Charles does. But I didn't really like what he said, man. This is kind of like uh very dystopian and very globalish, right? Like he's already been to many of the World Economic Forum um, little summits they have in Davos, the douchebags in Davos. And let's see how much more to continues. And you know, little Greta was over there. She happened to be at the summit, but it looks like Greta is not in favor anymore because it doesn't seem like they're using her as they were. Because if you've noticed, and you can go on YouTube and check this out for yourself, if you put Greta on script versus Greta off script, you'll see the difference, right? Same thing with like an AOC and all them. Like those When they have a script written for them, they're great at it, right? They practice it. They get it down. When they don't, they they just really don't have anything important to say. They just kind of have a word salad and throw words around, and and talk yourself around and not really say anything in particular. But right here, she's outside of the uh, the cop twenty six, and you could tell she's off script because she really doesn't say anything
0: we say no more blah 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 no more exploitation of people and nature and the planet. no more exploitation no more blah 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 no more whatever the fuck they're doing inside there we're sick and tired of it and we're gonna make the change whether they like it or not
1: yeah and i don't know if everybody remembers but i think it was I don't know if it was like she had just turned 18 or something. And I remember she had posted something maybe that week or it was very, it was not too long ago, some months ago, or maybe it was sometime last year. And she was talking about her handlers and, you know, people kind of like, and all this stuff, things were going to get exposed. And now they seem to have fallen out of favor with her for whatever reasons because she's not like ahead or maybe it's to look as controlled opposition, you know, but. What I found interesting is that they got—I got another clip of her at that same time, and she's singing the. This chant is saying saying a lot in like England and like places like that. Like I think I don't know if Australia sings this too. Probably maybe they do too. I'm not sure, but I think it's mainly in like England. Um, It's this like chant. It says you can stick that climate crisis up your ass, right? That's like a song that they sing, and she's singing it. So that shit's kind of like weird, right here.
4: Your climate
1: your so that was kind of weird because like i said that chant right there is an anti-climate change chant you know they're not saying that pr- being pro-climate change so Maybe either she's controlled opposition, or maybe she's just starting to realize that uh, these elitist pricks ain't shit, and they're not going to do nothing for you.
5: How dare you?
1: So we got some more news about some fake meat, right? Uh, this new huge market that's coming to us is this fake meat, right? I, I have posted an article, or like a, a snapshot screenshot of an article that I have found about a San Francisco company that's going to start making 400,000 K pounds of fake meat lab meat. And now this is Texas slim, uh, Rivero podcast, Texas beef, uh, initiative, fake meat coming with marketing. So this is a clip from a podcast that I was listening to. And he really talks about the market of, uh, the new marketing wave coming from the lab meat. And, I don't know, man. That's what I'm just kind of worried about now. I'm like, geez, another thing we got to worry about because they're trying to say with climate change and that we need to stop eating meat and they want to push on this lab meat and this bug meat bullshit.
8: Got 179 nations and what they've agreed to the last basically since 2013, they've been working on a carbon credit economy one way they're coming after. Us as far as carnivores and beef eaters is they're you know they're trying to tax our cows, they're saying that you know red meat is bad for you. We know all of the stories that they've fabricated, and so after Glasgow, it ends on november 12th they're going to start releasing new marketing plans across the world and it's going to be based on a lot of fake meat they have new fake meat industries that are popping up left and right and they're paid by these global corporations well these global corporations and especially the processors the processors all four of them already have major contracts with these fake meat companies be it 3D printed meat or be vegetable protein such as soy or pea protein. So what they're doing is creating a new fake commodity market and they're about to release it onto the world. And these corporations, these food corporations, especially the industrial food complex, they've already signed on the dotted line. They have to follow the carbon credit economy. If they don't, they get penalized and they're not part of, The basically industrial food complex anymore. So you look at that. You look well. That that goes down to grocery stores. That goes down to restaurants. If they're not buying the right type of food products from this industrial food complex, they're going to be penalized, and they're going to be penalized in a way that most of us as civilians in the long run will be penalized. It's it's a long term plan. It's an eight year plan, but basically November 12th is when it they get their marching orders and they're going to hit the streets and then it'll hit the airways in ways that people aren't really kind of planning for.
1: And this is what a, is this whole about compliance, right? If people are like, well, I got to stay in the system. So I got to do this thing. Uh, so well, I'll just get a little bit of lab meat. Like it's just, it's just standing your ground and putting your line in the sand, wherever that may be, whether it's on lab meat or you can't let anybody dictate the market of what we're going to sell and buy. And they're just going to control it. Like, uh, I know that Bill Gates, he, like he not only owns the most farmland right now, but he also owns, I think a lot of the water ducks and stuff like that. So obviously he's going to use that, those things to corner the market. And I think they want to push, they're going to be a huge push in marketing for fake. They've already done with all the veganism and you know, the, the, uh what are those fucking, um, they're like whoppers and like the they're fake meat or something. I forgot like amazing burger or I don't know what something like that. They've been pushing that down people's throats and trying to get people like to fear like, oh, first it was like when I was growing up, it was like, oh, you know, we don't want to kill the animals and blah, 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 blah. Now they're really saying that we're killing the planet by eating meat, which is so crazy because it's it it doesn't even make sense to me. But I kind of want to go a little bit through uh a little time warp, you know, I got some old clips, like, to kind of, like, set and put everything into perspective. Ah, Impossible Burger, that's right. So let's take a trip in time, right? The year is 2009, right? Alex Jones is on the Jesse Ventura uh, conspiracy show. I forget what it was called, but here's a little clip, and, and tell me if this doesn't sound... Like what's going on.
7: There's an entire agenda afoot to force the population to undergo different type of medical treatments, namely vaccines. We're seeing a medical tyranny being set up, not just in the United States, but worldwide under the UN and the World Health Organization. Who's behind all this? The Bilderberg Group. They want a planetary dictatorship so they can carry out their forced depopulation agenda. And they want to do it through the medical system. And that's why vaccines are so important. We know that many of these vaccines, turn out to have serious adverse reactions. This is being done by design. They kill you slowly over time. And I've got an insider I think you should really talk to, Dr. Rima Labo. As
6: soon as you and I finish, I'm leaving the country again. Why? Because in a very short time, not today, not tomorrow, but very soon, will be facing compulsory vaccination under the mistaken term of voluntary vaccination.
5: Now, what is it about these vaccinations? You think that they're bad?
6: Well, first of all, let's start with the fact that the World Health Organization has decided that we have 90% too many people. The World Health Organization has been working since 1974 vaccines to create permanent sterility
4: doctor the response is going to be and you're crazy
5: how can you say this stuff
6: in the event of civil disorder or pandemics
5: doctor what you're saying is that if people refuse these vaccinations that fema's going to put them into almost like concentration camps around the country
6: i think you have to leave out the word almost.
1: So that's 2009, and that's like pretty telling of what's going on. Like, right, we're being forced to do things. Well, they're not forcing me yet, but they want to force, and they're trying, they're forcing a lot of other people because it's not making a choice. You're giving people ultimatums. You're saying either do this or you lose this. That's not giving people a choice, that's an ultimatum. And we're exactly in that position of where they're trying to control with this whole vaccination of what we can and can't do, what choice is. And it's very um, weird. It's pretty crazy that, I mean, Alex Jones on point, I know a lot of people believe he's like controlled opposition or maybe he is, but he, he is a national treasure and he, he has called a lot of things and whether he's getting that inside information because he's part of it. I don't know. I mean, who, who's to say, I don't know these people personally, But let's take a little bit more journey down through time into 2014-ish, right? I think this is 2014. This is a clip. That's really going to, I think, blow people's minds.
2: Federal health officials revealed today that they had made a disturbing discovery. Scientists found vials of the deadly smallpox virus in an old storage room at an unsecured government lab outside Washington, D.C. The smallpox virus was declared eradicated from the world in 1980. It's supposed to be kept in only two places in the world a high security lab in Atlanta and another such lab in Russia. And Pierre's Jeff Brumfield joins us now to tell us more. And Jeff, what happened? How did they find these vials of smallpox virus? Well, on July 1st, scientists on the campus of the the National Institutes of Health, were clearing out an old lab that belonged to the Food and Drug Administration. They found vials that were labeled Virila virus. That's the official name of smallpox, which is arguably the most deadly disease ever to affect mankind. It covers the body in horrible boils, and it kills about 30 percent of its victims. The last known case was in 1977, and we thought there were only two labs in the world that still had samples. So this comes as a big shock. So they found these vials, and what happened to them then? Fortunately, the workers recognized immediately what they had. They put the vials back in the boxes and moved it to the NIH's Biosafety Level 3 laboratory. Then they notified officials at the Centers for Disease Control. They called in FBI and they brought in local law enforcement to guard the samples. Yesterday evening, they were moved to CDC headquarters in Atlanta and put into an even higher security biosafety level four lab. That's the kind of lab where people are wearing moon suits. You see them on the movies. Mm -hmm. Preliminary DNA tests show that the six vials contained smallpox virus, though the CDC can't yet confirm if it was still infectious. And have they been able to trace back where these vials of smallpox virus came from in the first place? The vials appear to date from the 1950s, and I spoke to the CDC and they weren't willing to speculate much beyond that. I also talked to D.A. Henderson, the researcher who led the effort to eradicate smallpox, and he says they're probably just samples somebody lost track of.
1: Did you hear how we said that? Oh, just some samples somebody just lost track of when they're like in 2021, like. Killing Like, in Australia, literally, they did, like, a manhunt for some guy that was sick and he was sneezing. Like, they had it on TV, like, where he's like, and they're like, oh, look, he didn't even cover his mouth. And, like, they just, the smallpox, which had a 30% mortality rate, which they're nonchalantly just like, ah, what is that? I just think that was a key, uh, a telling clip from 2014 of how nonchalant they were. And it kind of makes me think, like. Well, maybe they were doing something else with that smallpox. Were they doing gain-of-function with that? Were they doing What else are they doing gain-of-function of? Because of? we also know that last year, uh, we had a couple stories coming out of Canada where they were sending Ebola to these Wuhan labs for gain-of-function. So what else was being used in that gain-of-function, and why do they want to hide it so much from us? Why are they... They don't want us to see it for a reason because there is more experiments, right? That's just what we saw so there's more things going on and I I thought that was a highlighted clip of smallpox and how they nonchalantly just said that someone misplaced it but no worries no harm no foul we uh, put it in the right place so now I'm going to push on some more uh, douchebags that are uh, trying to push people to take the V Uh, some shills here's uh, Klaus Schwab shilling for the vaccine I think
5: one lesson which we take out of this uh, crisis is Hmm. this notion of mutual interdependence because even as individuals, we had to be, take care not to infect someone else and not to be infected. It's the same we have to apply now on a global level. As long as not everybody is vaccinated, nobody will be safe.
1: He's doing the same line, you know, that whole nobody will be safe until everybody has the, the jab. Like, that's the nonsense where you're hearing to me from everybody I've talked to worldwide. Like obviously, there's the people that believe anybody that's worldwide. There's people in every country that do think that what's going on with the jab is the right thing to do, and then everybody should get it. There's not just it's not just Americans that are like, oh man, I don't even know. Like if you could hear, it. is that better? Maybe like it's too far. I didn't even realize. There we go. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I guess my mic was a little low. I couldn't tell, but here's uh, some of the Pfizer CEO, and he's he's pretty much um, telling what vaccine hesitancy is, and in his opinion, vaccine hesitancy is basically um, people with misinformation. So,
3: have you experienced that in your personal life? And how would you speak to somebody who is vaccine hesitant?
5: It is um, not an easy discussion because hesitancy is never based on facts and data, which is uh, the language that usually the scientists um, Mm -hmm. speak. Um, It is uh, in most of the cases fear. There are some cases, but the fear it is uh, coming from the inside. There are some cases that it's cultivated because of misinformation. There are people that there are victims, or people that they just. Afraid, mm-hmm. and um, this is an emotion that it is difficult to conquer. I have found in, in life in general that there's only one emotion, but it is stronger than fear, and this is love. So the way that I speak to those people is that uh, uh, I understand your fear and your reasons, and I respect them. But keep in mind that your decision is not going to affect only your health; it's going to affect the health of others, and particularly the health of people you love the most mm-hmm. because they are the people, but they are going to be with you. They will hug you, kiss you, etc. And um, so try to conquer your fear by using the love from the people that are around you and listen, trust to the millions of people that have done. It. And I think this is the best way right now to convince people.
1: Yeah. And the guy that says about love and all this stuff about love, when he was like bullying countries into bartering, uh, putting up embassies, putting up military bases to get the jab, to, to, to give them doses of their vaccine. This is not a good company. These are this new global, uh, corporate cartels of the big pharma. And, uh, if you got, I mean, I'm watching this show on Hulu right now. It's called Dope Sick with Michael Keaton. Um, it's really good. It's kind of about the whole opi- opioid crisis and, um, It's a very good look at, I'm only on episode one, but so far um, and what I've read about it, like it's a very good series and it exposes a lot of this big pharma um, really putting their hands in, uh, you know, in uh, uh, all this, because it shows like from when they kind of like go from uh, pushing the opioids right and kind of coercing uh, the doctors into- prescribing it, uh pushing this FDA approval. It just shows you the whole process and how corrupt and how nasty it really is. And if you think that was just about the opioids, like the same thing's going on with these vaccines. The same thing's going on with all the stuff they're pushing with this medical tyranny. So I don't know. It's a good series, you know, to unplug to, but still kind of gives a uh, pretty information uh, some good information. Here's Dr. Elizabeth a uh I don't know how to say her last name. It's like E E A D S. She runs down the report, the unreported vares in hospitals. So this guy is talking about all this, the CO visor, how all this love and do it for your family and do it for this. But they're not talking about the adverse reactions and um,
6: things that are going on with that. We're seeing from the jab um, all kinds of underreported side effects. We're seeing infertility in women. We're seeing miscarriages in women. We're seeing myocarditis, pericarditis, MI, um, pulmonary embolism, blood clots anywhere in the body. Um, we're seeing uh, swollen lymph nodes, swollen testicles. Um, Dr. Cole from Mayo Clinic is seeing an increase in in um, reported cancers. We're seeing that as well in the hospitals. And uh, blood clots, strokes, hemorrhagic strokes, um, dementias, Uh, new-onset strokes in young people, blood clots in young people. Um, And uh, that reference uh, uh, to the military were um, four soldiers that had um, chest pain or uh, blood clots, pulmonary embolism. they even had
1: a U.S. Army doctor. She grounded three pilots uh, for vaccine injuries, and she was removed from her post. Um, So there's a lot of these adverse reactions that are going on. About the Travis Scott stuff, actually tomorrow – uh, I'm going to be doing a live with Joel Thomas, and we're going to be touching that uh, a lot about the Travis Scott. I don't have anything lined up for today, but tomorrow, uh, Jack, tune into to that. Uh, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll, I'll talk what my thoughts are on the Travis Scott situation. But, yeah, there's all these adverse reactions that are not really being reported because a lot of people that like, I'm hearing personally and or not necessarily personally but from – from one of my friends friends et cetera. Et cetera things like that and, and that are close to the circle are people saying that they're having adverse reactions and nobody's asking them like oh did you fill this out or did you fill the vars?" most people don't even know about that right like I didn't personally I didn't know a lot about that I didn't know a lot about vaccines until last year like I didn't even really I kind of knew what they were but there was so many other things I was looking at that of course, uh, like that stuff flew right past my face. But now that they've been pushing more and more, we've been looking, and what they're trying to do. And we already know Big Pharma. And I don't understand why people act like big, that. Vaccines aren't Big Pharma. It's almost like they can't see that they're the same thing. They they make this weird distinction that they're two separate entities when they're the same thing. And now it looks like Pfizer's uh, gonna get their Pfizer Mectin. You know, they got their own little. Uh, pill coming out pretty soon i know Merck is coming with theirs so they're going to have all these therapeutics so i think they're going to get this push and get as many of the last people vaccinated as they can and i think that next year they're going to kind of push off and then we're going to see a lot more of the climate crisis
0: pfizer incorporated said friday its pill to treat COVID 19 is nearly 90 percent effective in cutting the rates of hospitalization and death in high-risk adults Right now, most COVID-19 treatments require an IV or an injection. Pfizer says it will ask U.S. and international regulators to approve the drug for use as soon as possible.
1: So, of course, they had to come out because they know that everybody's not going to get the jab. And they're going to try to have make more money off of us somehow. And this is going to continue because now I think after this situation does kind of because they're not going to this this particular uh, COVID one is not going to last forever. This uh mini drama series or whatever we want to call it they're going to push it off right and they're going to go to another phase you know go into the climate change but i believe that they've seen because they've been doing this with zika with the uh, smallpox stuff uh with the uh remember the albola guy remember when like i think I, I forget what year it was it was some years back but the guy the first case and they had it on tv and their cameras everywhere the guy in the bubble and he was just hopped out the car and he was cool whatever but uh like i said zika west now we can go on and on for all these things that they've tried to push on us but it was like the perfect storm it's like it stuck perfectly because everybody's glued to the screens and we've been very accustomed to them now you know in 2020 we were already well People were probably, even me, like, I've noticed, like, I remember when I didn't even care where my phone was or I left it. Now I'm worried where it is. And I think that we spent so much time and we have become accustomed to this in our life that it was the perfect storm for people. And and those people that are easily sucked in and that can't maybe see, um, or they like to believe, or maybe they like to fit in a lot of this mass hysteria. And then there's a lot of people that are easily scared, and they shook all these people around and here we are uh fucking fighting mandates and you know shots out to people like uh Cozy Wellness and uh you know in New York and some of the homies in uh Cali and stuff that are holding it down for all the mandates cuz uh it's it's shitty people are losing their jobs for this shit but I'm glad that people are willing to stand up you know a lot more people than we would expect you know and I know people aren't happy with the outcome but I think there's a lot gum you know The push is going to continue to happen. It's not going to happen overnight, but I do like the direction it's going. But I have to highlight a lot of the propaganda, like especially on this Monday shows. I'm going to try to do a lot more shows. But on Mondays, I just try to highlight some of the news and some old news clips that I listen to all different podcasts I listen to and try to get a perspective of what's kind of going on. And, you know, for people that may be not able to decipher propaganda and and see the game that's going on. Maybe I can, we can help them. Anybody can help them. Or just for us to know. Or to tell our family members. Because right now we see the pull push with kids. It's pretty crazy. Automatically, you know, I posted that video like last, uh, I think earlier this week. Or maybe it was last, the end of last week. You know, they were just like, it's a Pfizer commercial. Uh, a lot of people posted it up. Where Pfizer is just like calling these kids superheroes for um, being in the vaccine experiment. And they're trying to play this and so was the governor um what's her name hokwick or hoku i don't even know how to say her stupid name <laughs> but the new mayor uh, i mean the governor of new york the one that took over for touchy cuomo she was talking in the same thing and calling the kids superheroes she had like a little press conference thing things with the kids and she was talking about how the how important it was going to be and i have a little bit of it but the extension of it, she was calling them superheroes, the same thing your that, teachers, like, the, the Pfizer We have thing. to
0: get the word out right now that when this vaccine is available, that every kid says to their mom or dad and their guardian, I want to get the shot. I want to take my shot so I can be safe. I don't want to have to worry about this. So, kids, it's coming. You've been hearing about all the adults getting their vaccinations and maybe some of your older siblings, like age 15 to 17, is okay. But right now... We're just about to hear the news that it's going to be okay for 5 to 11-year-olds. Anybody 5 to 11 here? Anybody here? All right. Well, how about that? How about that? Well, that's very cool. Uh-
1: and we got to be careful, too, because there's a lot of uh, states and um, counties that are allowing. I think they've changed some laws. I think it was in Seattle, D.C., and I don't know. Uh, that's all I know of, that they've actually changed um the laws to where kids do not need consent from their parents. So I, I would check that out. You could see a lot of the propaganda that they're doing on local news and uh, most of the media of where they're having it. Like a kid will be like, yeah, you know, they have their mask on. And I, I don't know if you saw those first kids that got vaxxed and, you know, they had their mask on, but then they were like, Oh, I feel super. And like, I don't remember last or beginning of this year when everybody was doing the TikToks and they were getting their jabs and people were like, oh, I feel so strong. I feel so incredible. I feel... So I think there's this like psychological... Well, we know that there's a psychological war going on right now, but you could see that people are being pushed into that direction and they're buying it in. They love it because I think that people need to feel important and a lot of people have felt this depressed dark energy and I feel blessed because you know, yeah, I have I had things shaking in my life, of course, but we've lived in an era where kind of like uh, you know, you feel like how you heal some of those wounds and you kind of keep pushing forward and seeing that positive light. I think that there's a lot of people that only see darkness and I could see a lot more of the not every single person, but a lot of more of the youth, uh a lot of the high percentage of what we would call, you know, the mainstream the mainstream youth, they are very, like, dark and into, like, not just, like, I wouldn't say that they're... They can be pushed into, like, you know, satanic shit and things like that, but I think that they're just kind of scared in this world because everything has been constantly, since they've been born, that they've been told to be afraid. Be afraid that Miami's going to go underwater. Be afraid of the big earthquake. Be afraid of global warming. Be afraid of this virus. So there's all a terrorism, you know? I believe that fear has been installed in a lot of people and they're continuing to try to use this propaganda, and then, like, if they put it on us, you know, adults and things like that. To me, the the shit that really gets to me is like, you know, the propaganda towards the kids. And I'm sure everybody saw the big feud yesterday on Twitter. What was it, uh, uh, Bert and Ernie? No, I mean, uh, what's his name, Cruz and Big Bird? Right? They had a, a war of words, which I, I mean, I don't like uh, Cruz, but I do agree with him that like, I don't think Big Bird should be telling people what to do. Uh, as far as vaccines, and then, like, when you look into it, though, like, he always has, you know what I mean, this is not a new thing, the more you dig into stuff, you know, I have a clip on my uh, telegram of in 1972, of Big Bird uh, pushing vaccines on the kids, not saying people shouldn't get vaccinated, but to be told what to do, and, and to listen to a TV show, they're saying, don't listen to Joe Rogan, listen to Big Bird, don't listen to Aaron Rodgers, listen to Uh, AOC like there's these certain people we're supposed to listen to listen to yourself and the people that you respect But here's a little bit more of the propaganda. It's a good old uh, Sanjay Gupta on Sesame Street with Elmo, but
2: I have to say it's wonderful to actually see (laughs) all of you It also sounds and looks like you and your families have been staying healthy Oh, oh! I have a way. I've been staying healthy. Dr. Sanjay look Does Rosita have a boo boo? Oh, oh no, I mean, this is from my COVID vaccine. My mommy and my papi took me to get it this morning. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, Rosita, that's great. Getting the COVID vaccine is a great way to stay healthy.
2: See, my mommy and my papi said that it will help keep me, my friends, my neighbors, my abuela all healthy.
8: Your parents are absolutely right.
2: You know, COVID vaccines are now available for children five years and older. And the more people who get them, the better we're going to be able to help stop the spread of COVID.
1: And my question is, like, how come Elmo didn't get the vaccine? Like, why was it Rosita, like the one that is obviously the character that's portrayed as a Hispanic or Latinx or Latino or whatever we want to call, you know, that heritage? And it seems like that's predominantly pushed to a certain wave, right? They want us to see, like, oh, who's this? This is for somebody, right? It's specifically, why not Elmo, the whatever the hell, he's a monster, right? No, specifically, pushed towards a community that they believe that they could coerce into taking this jab. So I think we got to be aware now more, you know? Like, it sucks at times. Like, you could still unplug, you know, enjoy your time with your family. I still watch movies and stuff, but we do got to be careful of the the, the youth of what they're watching because I don't know... If all their minds are strong enough to uh, withstand some of this bullshit that they pushing on us, and especially the kids, like I said, like I don't, we don't want kids arguing with their parents. Like I should be vaxxed. Like just imagine, there's gonna be kids that are 13 years old that are listening to a lot of this woke shit, 13, 14, 15, 16, etc., that are gonna be in fights with their parents because they believe that the right thing to do is to take that jab when their parents are like. So there's no way to have any discussion because these people are, are are getting their attention from TikTok or getting their attention like you know doing a live or whatever, and I think these people don't have that much of attention all the time. So then they gravitate towards people embracing their negativity uh, or this wokeness, and that's what people are getting sucked into. They're they're. Getting these becoming influencers by like you know oh this is bullshit and they think they're doing the right thing right by taking the jab and and I just think that there is I've seen some you know where people are fighting over that especially teenagers where teenagers try to rebel which is so crazy because they're trying to rebel but they're like going towards the government I think they have the right uh spirit but uh <laughs> the wrong uh direction but with good parenting I believe that can be all conquered because I know tons of great parents that talk to their kids and um, are straight up with them and let them know how the world is. And I think that's the best way, in my opinion, to be. Because the world, like, of course, when you're a kid, you know, to me, let them be kids until they're like, you know, about 11, 12, let them still be kind of a kid. And as they start getting more and more into the teenagers, closer to a doll, we got to embrace them, not like push them full force, but, you know, like get them a little bit warmed up and ready for what the world has to bring us. I only have one clip left. And it's uh, everybody's favorite uh, Bill Gates. He's uh, kind of talking more about um, it's a little bit longer clip. I'm gonna end out on this. Uh, he's talking about game the, sum, the summary of the whole thing is that he's game wants to have like uh, the like you know how they had the food chain supply games, the event 201 games, all these war games. He wants to game plan war game uh, a bioterror climate kind of thing.
6: And are we doing things now, or rather, are we not doing things now that we really need to be doing in preparation for the next pandemic? Yeah, so it
7: was 2015 that I gave the uh, TED Talk and wrote a number of papers uh, titled, We're Not Ready uh, for the Next Pandemic. And sadly, that was uh, a better forecast of what would happen than uh, anyone would have wished for, you know, the economic damage, the you know, the deaths—it's been completely horrific, and I would expect that will lead the R&D budgets to be focused on things we didn't have today. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new, a new way of doing the vaccines. We didn't get much in the way of therapeutics. Uh, you know, dexamethasone, and now. Uh, uh could help, but way less than than should have been the case. We didn't get the diagnostics up and running in order to you know, achieve what at least Australia and New Zealand showed, that uh, competent management could keep the death rate down uh, pretty dramatically. And so I'm hoping in five years I can write a book called, you know, we are ready for the next pandemic, but it'll take tens of billions in R&D, uh, that the U.S. and the U.K. will be part of that. It'll take probably about a billion a year for a pandemic task force at the WHO level, which is doing the surveillance and actually doing what I call germ games, where you practice. You say, "Okay, what if uh, a bioterrorist brought smallpox to ten airports? You know, how would the world respond to that?" Uh, you know that there's to really caused epidemics and bioterrorism caused epidemics that could even be way worse than what we experience today and yet the advances in medical science should give us tools that you know we, we could do dramatically better so you'd think this would be a priority it, it, the next year will be where those allocations have to get made including this global um, pandemic task force The nice thing is a lot of the R&D we need to do to be ready for the next pandemic are things like making vaccines cheap, having big factories, uh, eradicating the flu, getting rid of the common cold, making vaccines just a little patch you put on your arm, things that will be incredibly beneficial even in the years when we don't have pandemics. So, uh, you know, along with the climate message and the uh, ongoing fight against disease of the poor, the pandemic preparedness is something I'll be talking about a lot. And I, I think it'll find fertile ground because, you know, we lost trillions of dollars and millions of lives and, you know, government citizens expect their governments not to He's let that. He's so
1: uh, smug too, you know, how he talks. I, I can't even listen to his whole thing. I know it's uh, important information that I try to even get everybody to listen to, but I'm sure everybody gets tired and reposed by hearing that guy Gates and, like, did you already said about uh, New Zealand and Australia that, like, uh, they can control the death toll with good management? I think people would disagree with that. But, um, yeah, it seems like he's going to – he hops in and out of the news, right? Like, he's there for a little bit. He's uh, Dr. Bill, and then he's Scientist Bill, and he's here to save the world, right, with his uh, philamp- philanthropy or whatever. I can't even say that word right now. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I really got. I got to – um. You know, every Monday you can catch us right here, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. I'm just trying to break down the news and try to get different clips, old news clips, new news clips, kind of current events. Keep on topic. Tomorrow we're going to have a special show, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific with Joel uh, Thomas. He came on, uh, I think, uh, last Thursday or something, but we had a little technical difficulties. We're going to try to rehash that. We're going to talk about the Travis uh, Scott situation and the whole astral world and got some clips on that. And then on Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern as well. Um, I got daily What's it? Red Pill Daily Joanne from uh, Red Pill Daily AU Australia. We're gonna have a little update on what's going on in Australia. Talk about um, what's going on there, and because there's even people on TikTok tic-tac that are uh expressing that americans are lying about what's going on in australia because other australians are saying it's fine over there but that would be the same as people looking over here where people um predominantly more left-wing uh has their agenda and they accept the jab and they accept the jab into their homes and their holy spirit and they think that That's the right thing to do. So if you talk to those people, of course, you're going to think that everything's fine because they have no problem with what's going on. And other than that, I'm going to have some more shows. Like I said, catch us 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, every Monday. And, you know, what we do here, we wake the fuck up, we get woke the fuck up. I'm going to end like this. Uh, I know this, everybody's already played this, but why not uh, play it again? Because it cracks me up. Peace out, yo. L-G-B! L-G-B! L-G-B
4: L-G-B L-G-B They say L G B everywhere I go L G B for the main
5: Alrighty then. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> LGB. That let's go, Brandon. Right? LGB. This means let's go, Brandon. No! LGB! Sounds like let's go,
6: Brandon,
4: I guess. LGB! Alright. Let's go, Brandon. I am Cornelio. Chant LGB! Right wing and left wing. LGB! Go oh, you know the thing! GB don't sing. LGB. I and you play I black. I LGB. I Let's go, Brandon. I LGB.
1: Let's go, Brandon.
4: LGB. Let's go, Brandon. FJB. Let's go, Brandon. I'm Joe Biden and I forgot this message.